What's up, everybody? So we're back with another episode of the Swift Podcast. Today, I bring on a special guest um, all the way out in Cali, Christina Heath. I hope I said that correctly. Um, did. So, perfect. So, Christina, welcome to the show. How are you today? Thank you. I'm well. Thanks for having me. Good. How's life in Cali? Uh, difficult with COVID. We're still... Yeah? kind of locked down. I mean, things are slowly starting to open. Um, you know, masks are still mandatory, okay. but hopefully that'll change by June 15th. That's like the opening day. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Um, um, I didn't know Cali was still struggling like that. I thought they were in a much better position. Oh yeah. Our governor's not that great, but we'll leave that for another day. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that. Sir. Awesome. So I want to kind of get back um, into what we were talking about. So I reached out to you to kind of get the idea of competing. And then I read mm -hmm. your story. So we're going to kind of sidetrack that idea of competing to hearing your story. I would yeah. love for you to share your, your story from honestly, um, your MMA career from that injury to where you are today, mm -hmm. if you're open to sharing. Um, we'll start with that. Yeah, for sure. So I've always wanted to do jujitsu. Okay. But growing up in New Jersey, my mom was like, absolutely not. You're not doing that. You're going to get hurt. You know, typical Greek mother. So once I moved out to California, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start doing it. So I found a gym that kind of worked with my schedule. It ended up being a no-gi school. It was um, 10th Planet. HQ was under Eddie Bravo. Um, so I just started training jujitsu three months after training. I ended up competing for the first time. I actually flew back to New Jersey. It was a Naga tournament in Wildwood. So I competed. I ended up getting gold. So it kind of, you know, fueled me a little bit more, like keep training, you know, keep doing this. And one day in the gym, one of my friends was taking a striking class. He's like, hey, you should do it. Just try it out. And I'm like, all right, sure. Why not? I'm always open to new things. Then I got hooked. So already I'm doing jujitsu and wrestling. So then the striking came in. I was like, oh my God, how great would it be to put everything together? So I started just training. And then literally a couple months later, I'm like, oh, I want to compete. Let's do MMA. So at the time, my wrestling coach, who was like the team coach at the time, he was like, you know what? You're not ready. And I was like, well, I know my striking's terrible, but it's like, you know, once you get in there, you get the experience, you know, you get the jitters out. And I started training at another gym for my striking. And that coach said, and he's, he's actually fought before in MMA. Uh, his name is Marcus uh, Cow. And he was like, you're ready. You can do this. So I was like, all right, well, like, I kind of trust him more since he's actually fought. You know, he would tell me and be honest, like, hey, you're just not ready. And it's like, look, if I happen to just go in there and lose, okay, it is what it is. But I don't really see loss as, oh, I just suck. You know, it's always something to, what can I learn to improve something, right? So long story short, I'm not going to get too long in the tooth. Um, had my first MMA fight and I ended up winning by TKO. And it's so funny, the like wow. the pre-interview I was like because everybody thought that I was going to take it to the ground because my jujitsu was the strong point mm -hmm. but I was like you know what 
I'm like, I'm going to keep it standing because that's what I need practice. That's what I want to work on. So I ended up getting her TKO. Um, but it wasn't until my second fight that from the very beginning, everything was kind of rigged. So the scales were off. Like, you know, I was very precise, like with my weight, um, because I was a string bean as we'll get into like with the training and everything. Um, I was fighting at 115, but I literally had no shape on me, like nothing. I was like flat as a board. And I weighed in at 110. And I'm like, there's no way in hell I'm 100 or 110 pounds. So the other girl steps on and is 115 even. So I'm like, okay, something's not right. The scales are clearly off. Because if she would have weighed in four or five pounds heavier, I can decline the fight. Mm-hmm. So we get in there and the first 30 seconds of the fight, my face gets shattered, but I have no idea. It's by two illegal knees to the face because as an amateur, you can't near elbow to the head. So I had no idea. My vision just went black. I felt like a shooting pain. And I'm like, oh my God, like I'm thinking my tooth got knocked out. So the ref stops it for a second and he was kind of rushing me, which, you know, you have a decent amount of time to recover. So even before I started back up again, I couldn't see out of my left eye. So we started the fight again. Um, At this point, I'm just getting my ass beat. You know, I'm getting emotional in there. I have really no idea what's going on. My nose is just gushing blood. Um, So from that, because she needed me twice in the face, which she should have been disqualified. Then in the third round, something that I remember is that she grabbed the back of my head and she punched me. And I looked at the ref. I literally turned to him in the middle of the fight and was like, dude, are you serious? So I ended up losing the fight, but I'm actually kind of proud of myself that I didn't go out in it. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm shocked that you weren't knocked out at this point. Like, wow. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you see the fight on YouTube, it is up there. Um, it's, it's crazy. Like, you would never even know that something was wrong. Um, so, yeah, after that was done, I ended up going to the hospital that night. They didn't take x-rays, CAT scans, or anything in my face. So the fight happened on a Saturday. I was off Sunday, and then I went back to work on Monday. So of course, like I have black eyes, you know, and I noticed when I was sitting at my desk, I started feeling something. I'm like, well, this doesn't feel normal. It felt like a poke. So I had one of the girls check it. They're like, yeah, something's sticking out. Long story short, ended up going, getting CAT scan on my face. My orbitals broke. My nose is broke. All in here is broke. Just shattered. So ended up getting surgery. I have a plate underneath my eye, screws along here. So that's basically my wow. end of MMA story because I tried fighting literally and figuratively um, to the bitter end to be like, I even asked my surgeon, I'm like, hey, I was like, you know, what if I decided to fight again? He's like, look, unless you want to lose your vision of a screw going up your eye, I wouldn't do it. So yeah. I was like, oh. I kind of questioned the hospital that you went to the first time that didn't take an x-ray or a CAT scan of your face the first time around. And the fact that you yeah. had to wait three days after to do it, like as a medical professional, that was the first thing that was popped in my head. But like, I think I texted you separately. And I was like, you're the true definition of strength. And that's the story yeah. that we're going to run with. Like that's mm-hmm. the fact that you're in front of me today and Hey, kudos to you. Um, you're, you did what you're supposed to do. And that's the issue with like competing at a certain level. There always tends to be something off. Like my last competition, 
in in bodybuilding, I was on stage next to a man that was 210 pounds, 6'8". I'm 5'7", and I was on stage at 160. And I was like, how does he get first place over me? It was because of size. And I looked at the I was, looked at the judges. I'm like, you guys really compared me to this man. I was, you know what I mean? So it's like, that's mm-hmm. that was the end of it for me too. Like I was turned off. I was like, I'm not going back to this position again. Because you go yeah. through all this work and all this dedication. Um, so then you went the completely opposite route. You went to the bikini competitions, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I did do it through the WBFF. I just thought it was a better organization for me personally, um, just because I like how it's kind of like pageant-y. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously I did bikini. Um, so our second round, like we don't do call-outs or anything. We just go in an evening gown for our second round. Um, the fitness girls actually go out in like theme wear. So there's like that super famous um, uh, model. It, she had the uh, black wings and everybody was like, oh, it's a ripped Victoria's Secret model. She actually did um, that competition as well. Um, but to rewind a little bit, like I, I had always wanted to compete in bikini. Like it's always been in the back of my mind, like ever since I started working out at 14. But I never had that confidence to do it. Like to give you an example, I wouldn't even go in a bikini on the beach with friends and family. Like that's how just closed-minded and not confident I was. So it was actually right after I got out of my face surgery where I was like, you know, I'm all messed up on meds. I'm like, I'm going to compete in a bodybuilding competition. Everybody's like, okay, like you need to calm down. But literally after I was cleared to start lifting, um, my old coach that I used to help me cut weight um, for fighting I contacted him. I'm like, Hey, Justin, I was like, I want to do a bikini competition. Like, let's do it. So I started bulking, um, which was actually quite interesting for me because I had always been on the leaner side and always doing cardio. And here I am just literally just lifting heavy weight. Like I've never lifted that heavy weight in my life. So yeah, I mean, it was pretty interesting, like the whole process of it where, you know, I went from just being in a sense, like a cardio queen, which was for performance, uh, to just, you know, in a sense, lifting heavy. How was so. that transition? Um, I know in the in the gym industry, as a, as a strength coach, a lot of my female clients and patients don't want to lift heavy, right? They're fearful of like, I'm going to bulk up, I'm going to do this. And you're a true example of lifting heavy and what you can do to your physique. So for you mentally, how is that transition? What were your initial thoughts? So mentally, I've always had that idea of like, and I think it's like that in general, where it's like women are supposed to be thin, they're supposed to be skinny. But I had, you know, fighting and dropping down to 115. And if you look at my photos from when I fought, like to weigh-ins to when I competed, the same weight, but completely different. And I truly believe, especially as a woman, you have to lift weights just because it actually gives you a shape. And it's understandable too mentally where, you know, at first I was like, oh my God, I'm getting big. But the reality of it was, is that I was looking at myself in the mirror where I was getting compliments from other people like, oh my God, you look good. You know, so I think too, it's just going into it, your mindset, you know, because especially somebody who's completely transitioning from, for example, myself, who is a string bean to somebody who's actually putting on weight and muscle and shape, it was very different, you know? So I think it's just getting your mindset right to be like, hey, you know, my body's going to be changing 
And the thing is too, even when you're bulking, you know, you could easily cut something that you know, um, and it's, it's much easier to lose weight when you, you know, you're bulking and you're in that calorie surplus. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm going to start losing weight. It starts dropping like that. How much was the difference of weight when you were bulking from pre-comp to post it? Oof, 30 pounds. Okay. It was, it was pretty extreme. Um, wow. Honestly, the amount of muscle that I put on in that short amount of time, because the first time, my first competition was about nine months of bulking. So, you know, it was. Those were the uh, living the dream nine months, weren't they? <laughs> oh my God, I know. I'm like, well, I can eat this. I can eat that. It was great. That's awesome. And then, so how many shows have you done? So I only did two. Okay. Um, so it wasn't my intention to actually do a second show. Yeah. So my first one, I actually did here in LA. Um, I was like, you know, I just want to do it for the pure experience, you know, to get me out of my shell because what was my biggest fear? Stepping on stage, being judged. Mm -hmm. So I did the competition. I ended up coming in fourth place. And yeah. it was really my stage presence that kind of got me to fourth just because like I was so nervous. Like I was literally shaking up there. Um, so then I was like, you know what? There's a show coming up. This is in April. There's a show coming up in December that's going to be in Atlantic City. So I could actually have my friends and family there. Why not? So here's my biggest mistake is that I put on another 30 pounds okay. and dropped the 30 pounds again for that show. It did end up giving me or getting me first place and my pro status, but my hormones got so messed up. I lost my period for six months. Like ever since then, it's just kind of been off. Um, so that was kind of, you know, not good for me. <laughs> Interesting. So it, it's funny you say that, right? Because a lot of people don't realize the stress you put on your body. I have a lot of friends that compete. I even competed, right? I did it for three years, back to back to back. And like for women, people don't realize that extreme weight losses and um, cutting and bulking does mess with your hormones and does play a role in it. And so how long did that process take you to kind of come back to, and I guess in a norm in a sense, how many months after that last show? Did you change I anything? Say, yeah, so at that point, um, I, I got back with my coach. So he's actually a nutritionist um, and he, he never did really like competing. And we can get into like my whole process with competing because it was very different, my programming compared to regular competitors. Yeah. Um, so he kind of helped me balance out my hormones, but it took a long time. Like I want to say maybe a year okay. for me to kind of go back to the norm. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a brutal couple of months, like the first six months, it was just, my body just wanted everything. And yeah. it almost felt like I was out of control where it's like, oh my God, like my body and, you know, being a woman, we're supposed to have a certain amount of body fat. So my body was just like, Hey, we need to, you know, have you at that childbearing fat. So very true. And that's awesome. I love that I brought you on because you just gave two big facts to women that I feel like people need to be reminded of. One, that's okay to have some body fat. It's really important. You don't need to be thin in skin, um, which is like what the social media realm is creating for women. And two, what you said early on is 
lifting weight is going to give you a physique that you ultimately want. And it's very important for women to do that. And I urge that with everyone to kind of take those two to advice. Um, so you did mention that your, your level of competition as you were processing was a little different. Um, I know for competitors that I've coached and even the, my friends that are working, I, I see a lot of strict dieting. I see a lot of cardio. I see a lot of like two a days and time nutrition, all that. So what was yours different from, I guess, the, the norm that we would put them through? Yeah. So I've noticed too, and like a lot of the girls backstage were talking, they're like, oh, I had to do two hours of fasted cardio for like two weeks straight and this and that. And meanwhile, I'm sitting there like, the most cardio I ever did was like two weeks before my competition and it was 45 minutes. Um, so my coach had me on intermittent fasting, um, which for me, it worked, you know, I was working a desk job. So, you know, for me to space out my meals like that, then go to the gym, it worked. Um, and yeah, my programming, I wasn't there two a days. I would literally just go into the gym especially when I was cutting, when I was bulking, you know, obviously it was a little bit different. I was eating four meals a day. And then when I was cutting, it was three meals. Uh, but bulking, I was in the gym, I want to say maybe like two hours just because of the rest time. Um, and then when I was cutting, it was about, I want to say an hour and a half, and that's including cardio. So very different than the, you know, two, three hour workouts that a lot of competitors are doing. What did you do when you hired your coach? How much research did you put into that? So I actually, in general, it's very important to do your research. However, I knew him because he started to coach um, or train my cousin and her husband. So that's how I met him. Um, and then I just saw the progress with them. And I had just asked him like, hey, you know, what do you say? And he was in the, at the time getting his master's. Um, He's like, yeah, we can do it. And there was just something about him that I trusted. Um, and just his attitude towards dieting in general, like it wasn't, oh, you have to have, you know, your four ounces of cod exact, you know, of course we did count macros at the time. Um, but like my birthday, uh, it was in October. And of course my competition's in December. And I was like, Hey, I was like, it is my birthday. I was like, am I able to have like a little special treat? He's like, yeah. He's like, have cake, ice cream, whatever you want, you know? And normally it would just kind of be like, uh, you can't do that. So um, it is very important to do your research. However, I knew him previously. I'd seen, you know, and I'd seen like the progress he made with like my cousin and her husband, but more importantly, it was his attitude and how we kind of meshed. Got it. So it was very honest. And, you know, the thing is too, he would tell me like, hey, you know, it's just not something that I want to do, but, you know, he did it for me. He helped me too uh, before that cutting weight, um, you know, for fights and stuff like that. Since, you know, that's a science in itself. Yeah, absolutely. And that's mm -hmm. the beauty of hiring the proper coach for you and yourself. And I asked that question because I see a lot of people just hiring random coaches, right? And even when people look at me and kind of come to me for service and so forth, they do their research. And I highly recommend people do their research because what you've been through, um, there's only two people I know that I'll probably trust to send you to them, right? And like, if you ever came, like, I'm going to refer you out to these people. And I feel like the person you're talking to is the same person I know because he's really well known. And he was in Jersey. He's now in Arizona, going back to Cali, back and forth. Um, and that's the most important part. And this is what I urge a lot of my listeners to do is take your time, 
if you have a goal for competing, if you have a goal for it, whatever it may be, to hire the proper coach that matches your needs because you will be lost. I've worked with the same coach for almost seven years. I'm competing next weekend and he's been the same coach since day one. And coaches need coaches too. We use it for a reason, right? Um, and I, yeah. just, I just trust him, right? We connect, we bond and I love it. Um, and overall, getting you back to where you are was his biggest goal. So where are you at now? How do you feel with everything that you've been through? Would you go back to competing and do it again? So I always get the same question. I was just like, oh, I don't think. Yeah. So the competitiveness in me, like after I was done that last competition, I was like, oh, I want to compete as a pro. Okay. But health wise, because I kind of switched my mindset into what's going to keep me healthy and happy. Okay. Um, so would I compete again? No just because of the whole health and um, mindset, because like you have to have, and I listen, when it comes to discipline, it's like, I have it, but at the same time, what you're sacrificing to be a competitor, it's a lot. So is it the lifestyle that I would live now? Not so much. Okay. And that's what I guess led you to your current business, right? Yes. So it's kind of like we were talking about, like if a bodybuilder were to come to me and be like, Hey, I want to work with you. Sorry, not happening. (laughs) It's a pain in the ass one, but two, it's, I tend to work a lot with beginners. So I feel like, well, most of my clientele is overweight and I feel they kind of lost their sense of how to eat, which I've been there. You know, like after I was done competing, it's like, you almost forget how to eat where it's like, well, if I'm not weighing out my food, how much am I really eating? So my clientele, it's basically trying to change their mindset around food, because I feel it's kind of like any type of addiction, right? There's always an underlying root. So it's just kind of getting like, okay, so why did you decide to binge out on a dozen donuts? you know, oh, well, you know, I just, I was sad or this or that. And it's just basically getting down to the root of it. So the whole purpose of my company mid is the mindset, instruction and discipline. It's the three things you need basically for anything in life to achieve your goals. So yeah, I just felt like, you know, I've been there so many times growing up, like when I was 14 years old, I had no idea what I was doing. Like when it came to losing weight, I ended up losing 30 pounds then, but you know, it was trial and error. You know, I got involved with like, um, diet pills, um, just looking up things on Google. Um, and then it kind of just went downhill from there, from like eating disorders and, you know, distorted eating. So it just, it really led me to this point where I'm like, you know what? I feel like the fitness industry in general has become so unhealthy. Like the, the stuff that people are putting out there for the most part, it's like, oh yeah, well, it's, you know, you got to be skinny or, you know, lifting weights is going to make you look bulky. It's like, no, if anything, lifting weights is going to give you shape, you know? So I just think it's about feeding people the right knowledge. Absolutely. I agree with you 110%. I think part of the reason why I started my podcast was that, right? I was kind of tired of seeing what we talked about, the fluff in a sense, right? Pedal fast food diets and like take this pill and you lose it or go use a shake weight and you'll lose a hundred pounds, things of that sort. And 
I think education has come a long way. And I think people can definitely start to make that change and influence people. So it comes down to behavior change, right? Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of the certifications I, I talked and looked into was more about behavior changing, changing behavior and mindset's key. So for you, your journey, each time you've been changing your mindset, now you're in a completely different mindset from where you were a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. I feel like it's more calmer for you, which is something I guess we needed um, kind of coming up. So with your clients, as you're kind of working with them, behavior change is probably the hardest task that I always find to be, right? Getting people to actually change and use that. So what are your kind of go-to pinpoints to really emphasize behavior change with them? If there's someone that's really not getting it or A, you're referring out or you're just kind of revamping the, the wheel a little bit. So it really just depends on exactly what it is. If it's a way more serious issue, obviously it's referral out. Absolutely. If it's something that I feel that I can help, then I will. Um, but when it comes to behavioral change, one of the hardest things is to change somebody's habit, especially if it's, you know, five, 10 years, it's very difficult. So never do I tell people what to eat. It's just like, okay, I don't label foods as good and bad because, you know, us as humans are bad food, you know, we like to indulge in. So I kind of label things as healthy and not as nutritiously dense. So I have, I think a more of it is accountability. So I'd be like, okay, would you, if you would rather just kind of like do a food journal to kind of see what you're eating for a week or just take pictures of it if it's easier for you. So I think the accountability helps. And then once we kind of see where they're at for a full week, like, oh, well, I binged out on this or that. Like, okay, well, how were you feeling when you binged out? Like before then, what was your thought process? So I feel like it's bringing awareness to the behaviors um, to really start digging deeper because there's a purpose behind that. Um, so it's not necessarily like changing it right in the beginning. It's just getting to the root of it. So, you know, if anything, it's like, you know what, instead of taking something away, let's add something in, you know, let's just add more color to it. You know, there's not a lot of green. Let's add some greens or some more veggies, um, you know, doing that, that has, always helped. Um, But I think it's the awareness too, where it's like, look, we're not counting calories. Let's just eat until we're 80% full, you know, and let's see how you feel after eating certain types of food. Like, okay, after you eat a donut compared to if you eat, you know, your chicken, rice and veggies. Okay. How do you feel after you eat the donut? Oh, well, it was so great. But then afterwards I felt guilty. Oh, after I ate the other meal, I felt great. I felt energized. So it's more of making clients more aware, which I think is pretty much anything when it comes down to it. Absolutely. And that's in any industry and PT wise too. Mm -hmm. I think we had an episode last week we were talking about of just injuries when they first come in, we don't really go diving in and let me do this, do that, do that. Let me figure out what's going on, create awareness of how we're not going to cause more issues. Because what people don't realize they see a coach for an hour, maybe once or twice a week, maybe three times a week. It's what, two, three percent of your life. They're 97 percent. You're away from us. So it's we need to create that awareness for you so you can acknowledge those things outside and resources. And then also know that continue to do it. You're going to go down the same route, that rabbit hole that you already dug yourself into the first time. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a missing link in a lot of coaching programming, right? It's, it's creating awareness, but more so the active listening part. I think as coaches, we're always like, hey, let me just tell you what you need, but you don't listen to the client or the patient enough to realize that you're not going to change these aspects. The habit, like you talked about, habits are 
hard to break for certain people because we've developed them over so many times um, in so many years, right? So kudos, like I'm serious, like kudos. I, 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 I really am glad that you're, you're on today for many reasons. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I know you said you don't compete anymore or you're not taking competitors, but let's kind of compare average human to your competition days where you are when it comes to diet and behavior change. How long did that transition occur and where the, you know what I mean? Like the, there's a huge difference there, right? Yep. So, oof. I mean, even before that, I just had the mind, like I had such a strong mindset from, you know, just things that I've been through, you know, as a child. So I always knew like, and plus my mom was very like all about discipline. <laughs> so um, the switch for like, I guess you can say when I was normal to yeah. competing, it was more of, okay, I have to be on the strict diet. So anything my coach is telling me, like, and the thing is too, it is a little bit different because my coach just kind of gave me the macros and was like, Hey, just let it fit in there. Just pick what you want. But you know, he would tell me specifically like cutting, like no fruit, you know, no sugars, whatever. Um, so it was more, I didn't even really think about the food. It was more of like, okay, I just need to eat this to get to my goal. You know? So it was just kind of, I don't want to say mindlessly eating, but kind of, mm-hmm. Whereas like, this is just what I have to do in order to accomplish this goal. Because in my mind, there was no half-assing. It's like, I was following everything to a T just because I wanted to know in my mind that I did everything possible to do my best. So the switch, I want to say like for your average person, I feel like it would be very difficult. Absolutely. Because- you're going from literally one extreme to the next, you know, where, Hey, you can only eat this. And a lot of coaches too, they'll tell you specifically what to eat. Like, okay, at this time you're eating, you know, your chicken, your broccoli and your rice, you know, this time just your protein shake and an apple. So I feel like it's very difficult. And in my opinion, if you don't have that strong mindset, it can spiral down. And just from what I'm seeing, like in the competition world is that there's a lot of distorted eating. Absolutely. You know, so that's kind of the sad part about it where it's become, you know, it's a sport, but it's become so unhealthy. And it's so funny you say that, right? Um, I wrote an article a couple of years ago about my, my story from bodybuilding and powerlifting um, and when I went into the physique competitions of the unhealthiness of the sport, but nothing takes away from the, the joy you get when you're on stage. And, and like, for me, I, I battled the same confidence issues on my first show. I was in front of thousands of people in a speed and I was looking at myself, I'm like, what am I doing and how's this happening? So yeah. I agree though. I think there's a, there's a, there's a fine line of like health versus unhealth, unhealthy aspects of that sport. But the beauty of it is we can hire proper coaches to make sure that you're healthy in the process. I know a lot of people that reached out to me because of injuries in the sport. That's a whole mm-hmm. different bread and butter aspect of it. And nutrition wise, you hire the proper coaches that, you know, you're not bloated up. And that's the biggest part when you're coming from competition, people don't realize that if you don't reverse diet properly, you will blow up like a balloon. And I've seen a lot of people go that route. So it comes into like your research, get the right person in front of you. You can be pretty healthy, but now it's like, 
to what extent there's a lot of people that continue to try to follow bodybuilders and physique competitions and body uh, bikini competitors and follow their diet you don't mm-hmm. realize that diet is not for you because of what we just talked about right um, exactly so i uh, Again, it's just one of those things of hiring the proper coach and also doing your research. Is it really a lifestyle you want to live? We talked about early on. That's no longer the lifestyle I choose to live because sitting in my mm-hmm. office right now, I got a donut waiting for me after the show and I'm going to eat it. I'm going to 10%. So yep. there's, there's no doubt about that. Um, with that, folks, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Christina. And... So we're back with Christina Heath, who's been just an absolute delight and a pleasure to talk to. She's given us a journey and opened up more than a lot of people would ever do on this show. And she's given you a lot of lessons thus far, especially for the women out there listening in terms of lifting heavy weights, in terms of your competitor, what the process looks like to going to bikini competitions and what you're experiencing and what you could experience when it comes to the hormonal level and also to the, the emotional level, to the confidence level and so forth. We've also discussed the importance of hiring the proper coach and so forth. Um, and as always, my guests have the honor at the end of the show to kind of close out for me to essentially give me the three pieces of advice. Christina, I spoke about what the, the goal is. So Christina, the floor is yours. Um, take it away for us. All right. So when it comes down to, I want to say owning yourself. And this is actually what I tell clients, especially since I am working with clients that are overweight. The goal is I want to be at my ideal body weight. And okay, that's fine. But do you love yourself now? And I truly believe that if you can't love yourself right now at no matter what weight you are or where you are in your life, whether, you know, you just don't feel great about where you are financially, you're not at your career, you have to love yourself now because even when you get to that goal, something may happen. And then what? So I truly believe it's loving yourself through it all. And, you know, it's just like we were talking about getting the right coach. If it's the case where you need to see someone, a psychologist, therapist, there's nothing wrong with that. And I highly encourage it because it's like your your life coach in a sense, right? So I think hiring maybe a therapist to help you through certain issues that you're having, loving yourself as you are now, you know, and it's just working on yourself daily and just knowing that life is so much brighter. You can always find positives and things like whether something happens to you you can find okay well what is this trying to teach me you know for example my fighting career ended I gave everything to that fighting career and don't get me wrong at that moment at that time I was devastated you know I, I didn't want it to end I literally had thought that I would be in the UFC by now you know I had Dana White following me on Instagram he still is but <laughs> At the end of the day, it taught me, you know, first off, I was getting way too much head trauma from getting hit, but it's almost a blessing now that I look at it where, you know, I'm able to transition into my own business where I'm able to help beginners, people who are really lost. Um, So basically to cut it short, it's love yourself where you are. If you need to seek help from a professional, definitely do it. There is nothing wrong with it. I know there's a stigma. And three, just look for positives, look for lessons in bad, bad things that happen. 
Awesome. Absolutely agree. So in the beginning of the show, if you were listening and paying attention, I said, and I even texted Christina separately saying she is the definition of strength in my book. Um, the S in SWIFT stands for strength. And this is the true definition of strength of someone who gave it all in a career that didn't turn out, but turned that career into something else and turned that into something else. And when I asked her about her passion, her purpose was her passion and purpose was purpose drives her passion. Every time she finds something that she puts with her, her mind, that's the purpose of that goal, whatever it may be. It's the passion that got her to be where she is today. And I hope through her story, um, and through her lessons of she's sharing with us, you all kind of feel that sense that I just kind of felt that motivated sense of having a purpose, but putting, really putting it all out there, right? Putting your passion out mm -hmm. there and just giving it 110% every time. And Christina, I thank you for coming on today. Um, I know it, there was a lot for us to get you on today, but truly thank you for sharing your story and opening up. And I hope to have you on again at some point soon as well. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. And with that, folks, until the next episode, stay tuned.